righty. I'm with Dan Harris this week. You'll probably all know him, but Dan, introduce yourself. I think you, you just introduced me. Um, hi, I'm <laughs> Daniel. I appear to be stepping into Paul's uh, fillable shoes, so uh, please bear with me. Yeah, no worries. I think he listens, so I subtweet him in audio form most weekends. I'll get bored of doing that for a while. So. We exchanged a nice hug at Leicester once in the press box. We nice. Had, we, met, it was like we had that kind of, you're that guy off the internet moment. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's funny, Wayne Barson, who's, uh, who's been on a few times, I've, I've known him for like 15 years or so. I've never met him. It's one of those yeah. you know, internet friends. So, yeah. Um, there you go. That's the internet. Anyway, this weekend, what the hell do we say about this one? So, almost, I almost convinced myself after 45 minutes that United might be good again, might be coming out of the, the bump. And, I mean, not that they were that good in that first 45 or so, but... It, I almost convinced myself that it might be getting there. So what were, what were your thoughts on uh, the game overall? And then we can go through some of the details. It was, it was an improvement. And I, I said to at half time, like, it's weird to watch that and be, oh, that was much better, which just tells us how, sh how rubbish it's been subsequently. And I guess even the way that it went at the end, I think that the selection of Alanga made me feel at least like there might be some consequences for, yeah. for bad behavior. And I mean, I, did, I, did, I don't think he played that well, but he looked lively. And it's because the problem is that what, what's been going on for the last year or two is that they place away for a while and it doesn't work. And it's the same churn of changes that until it goes bad again and then it starts all over again. So it's just yeah. like some level of novelty. Yeah, well, some level of accountability for performances and stuff off the field as well, I think it's needed. And maybe this is a sign that Rangnick will do that. And uh, Langer coming in, I mean, yeah, Rashford's performance uh, in the previous week was just as bad as it gets. I'm really reluctant to beat on Rashford because there's enough people on the internet do that. What he needs to do to play better at football is to stop feeding hungry children. <laughs> yeah. What kind of equation is that? I know, I know. A few stories came out that like that in the midweek that United were asking him to focus on, focus less on his activities. I, look, Footballers, as you know, they have hours and hours and hours to fill, and most of them fill it with nonsense playing PlayStation or doing commercial crap or uh, posting pictures of themselves in their Bentleys on Instagram or whatever. So I'm all good with Rashford uh, feeding hungry kids. I just, I'd like him to play better. I'm hoping Rangnick is, uh, can find the formula to, to get it out of him. The connection is just mind-blowing because it, you could look at his performances and say, and I, th I don't like to say this really about any players because what it takes to get from where they were to where they are is a lot. Yeah. So, but you could look at his performances and say, seems to be on his heels a lot, doesn't seem to be enjoying it. But that's still got nothing to do with the feeding hungry children. No, no, that's right. <laughs> it's like, it's, there's those, those are two things that aren't, they're completely unrelated. Even if you thought he wasn't working hard enough in training, even if you thought he decided that he hated football and he wanted to, I don't know, go take a shit on Ragnick's tactics board. Still, we'd have nothing to do with the, with the feeding of the hungry children. Yeah, um, uh, the internet has has some strange theories, doesn't it? And uh, anyway, look, uh, he he didn't deserve a place in the side based on his performances. And Alanga came in, and uh, as you said, he he did okay. And I think the depth of the United squad means that Ragnik can't do that in every position. There's there's some quality in some parts and some interchangeable stuff. There really isn't in central midfield. There's just like nothing there. <laughs> just the middle of the field. 
Yeah. In, in the end, that's what cost United. So that, that first bright 45, when especially well, the first 30, when United were actually quite intense and actually pressed, uh, and there seemed to be some kinds of rangnickness in the team, it, it felt like oh, maybe this is coming together. Because Matic as a defensive player is gone, I think. But at least he can give United some kind of semblance of control in midfield. He at least knows how to pass a ball, which is hard to say about McFred, isn't it? But then <laughs> that just was completely obliterated in the second half. And Jacob Ramsey, who's what, 12? It's just so much better than anything United have in central midfield. I'm looking at him and last week and going, well, he's a quality player. He's not out of this world, but he's better than what United have got. And it just kind of, it's so obvious, isn't it, where, where the problem lies? Yeah, I think that when you look at the, when you look at the strikers, at some point you probably have to decide on who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And try and get some kind of continuity because that means you can keep the ball away from the midfield. Right. If you're constantly putting the pressure on up front and, yeah, if there maybe. was a manager, I mean, I think I'm sure Ragnar wants the job. I'm sure he thought that I'm going to go there. I'm going to make a massive difference really quickly, and they'll have to employ me. I have to employ myself. He basically Even, he basically I, I said it tongue in cheek, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he meant that shit. Yeah, I would appoint <laughs> myself. So, if you were at that point, if you've got a manager who's staying and he's looking to the future, then you would think, well, is there that much point playing Cavani that often, starting Cavani because He's not often available. He's yep. ava- not, not available as often as he's available. And he's definitely going in the summer. Yep. And if this season's basically away, more or less, save a couple of games in Europe, a couple of cup games, then you might start thinking about doing something a bit different. And also, I mean, that sort of applies to Ronaldo as well. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing I think massively cost Ole and has massively costing United now, and it relates to them in the field, is what's going on with Sancho. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to to defend why he why he was crap at the beginning because he basically spent the whole summer not relaxing but doing almost nothing, staying like semi match fit because he's training but not actually staying match fit by playing matches. He then has to have the break subsequently when all the other players who who played for England have a break. Then he gets ill and he's moving and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But. Ole's inability to integrate him or the fact that circumstances prevented that from happening is a problem because I think one of the reasons maybe that a midfielder wasn't signed or prioritised is that I think they thought that Sancho would help them keep the ball because right. rather than someone like Greenwood who basically plays playing on the right of the moment, he gets, he gets in possession and he wants to get to goal. He wants to get to yep, goal, yep, he wants to have yep. a shot. And his passing's improved, but he's not really looking to participate that much in the play. Whereas I think that Sancho would have been having, like, having an extra midfield player and would give a bit more control than there is. Yes, and, and he did do that at Dortmund, didn't he? He's he's a very good player. I, I think a lot of people thought he's who don't watch Bundesliga thought he was a, a winger, and he's really not. He's a player who plays this sort of join the dots football and can keep the ball and knows when to pass and knows when to take on a man. And and we don't see much of that, do we? He's yeah. not got a lot of people to bounce off because the strikers aren't yeah. those kinds of strikers. But it feels. If all of a sudden, if in the next game, even whatever, it was Greenwood, Sancho, and Elanga with the front three, it won't happen because dropping Ronaldo at this point politically would be a massive aggravation, but also not necessarily good for the team either, given that ultimately, if a chance falls, you want it to fall to him. But if you're looking mm-hmm. to make something good in the future, you might be thinking about doing that and trying yeah. to groove, trying to groove something. 
I do wonder how Greenwood feels about this because he started the season, didn't he, through the middle. And I, I suppose that's where we imagine that he'll end up playing just the nature of who he is. He's, he's playing wide, taking risks, taking the shot every time. At low, low probability of scoring chances. He was doing that against Villa. Uh, I mean, he played well against play Villa yesterday, relatively. He's bright. He's bright, yeah. But the future is, unless United are going to sign a striker in the summer, he's going to end up playing more through the middle. I mean, unless we imagine that Ronaldo's going to play there forever and then United have to change the way they play. They're certainly not going to play Ragnik football. Ronaldo scores goals and doesn't contribute anything else. The problem is also that the, the, the players, like, you, ca you can't go from how fit they were, probably, to how fit you need to be to play Ragnik football. But towards the end, it felt like, and I don't think Rannick helped them by not bringing anyone on because not that yeah. much to bring on, but if the team are going to sit back and let's be honest, like that's, they're, they're kind of tied, but it's also a bottle. They're also taking the path of least resistance to try and protect what they've got by sitting deep rather than protect, like you can still, you can still defend the goal, mainly look to protect the advantage, but. If you're giving the opposition an easy ball into midfield every time, yep. they're gonna, the crowd's going to get up and you're going to put yourself under pressure. And who backs that team to not, not fold in that circumstance? Yeah. No one, really. And I don't know how much difference it would have made, but at that point, you should probably bring on Van der Beek as the only midfield player or to just an extra body in there. Well, that's right. I mean, actually, against Villa in the Cup game, Van der Beek coming on at, what, 75 minutes helped United gain a little measure of control. And... Uh, he started off as a sort of false nine, which was kind of weird. But if it's giving United an extra body in midfield, then then great. Cavani yesterday, like everyone appreciates his movement in an attacking sense, but he didn't actually contribute to the press by the end of the game. And I was watching it thinking, like, the subs need to come on now at an hour. Uh, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen the weekend before either. Probably the change should have been made 10 minutes earlier and... Ragnar is still trying to work it out, isn't he? He went to a different system again this weekend. I think it's probably like four different systems he's played <laughs> so far, trying to, trying to find an answer to the problems. And there's it's square peg, round hole every time, basically. I, I mean, I, I think that with these players, you can do anything apart from play 4-2-3-1 because you have to get Bruno in the middle of the pitch yeah. and able to do what he does. There's a point in the same where you play like on the right or the left of this affair because... You want, he has to be involved in the play because yep. if he doesn't create anything, who's going to? No one, no one. I mean, like for all the drop-off in Bruno's sort of what we feel like his contribution this season and his performance levels, like he's still top of every attacking yeah. metric. Every single one by miles for United, except for goals. Right. And yeah, you just, there aren't, there aren't options until you've got, if you had like, another if you signed another two you basically would need to sign two midfield players yeah. you need to sign whatever kind of number six it's going to be yep well and then a, a, a number eight yeah and then bruno could also be a number like you can play you can play three and that basically that would be more similar to the way city do it yeah yeah you could do that but until that happens you have to you have to just let bruno create and have Two two other players, and ideally, he's got it. Has to be Fred and McTominay for now. Yeah, it does. It does it, have to be. Yeah, it so, does. I mean, you need um, United need someone who will control in midfield and someone will defend, and it would be good if they could have both. And like magically, time warp Roy Keane back into the side. Sadly, that's not going to happen. I mean, it's a massive, it's a massive error that Ole made ultimately, and he might not have trusted the board to give him the money. But if he'd have called in Henderson, Beek, Lingard, Dallow, Bailly. Matter, 
and said, listen, like you're lovely lads, but you all got to go this summer. Tell your agents to find yeah. you a club. I, I can't, I have to spend the money. If, yep. me, if that means you train with the kids and do nothing, then that's, that's how it is. Yeah. Because, yeah. And then with that money, you could still have bought the players that were bought and you could have found, I mean, you might not have found enough for Declan Rice, but you would have found at least a midfield player that would make yeah. this better. Marshall or him as well. Yeah. <laughs> Def that's definitely right. him. They turned down however many millions they might have got for Lingard, just as an example. For what? For him to come on for 10, 15 minutes once every fortnight or something. That's um, it. If you don't back your team, yeah. if you think you can, you can not include Lingard as often as Ole was not including him, then you, you don't need him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Every discussion about United always comes back to the, the ability to structure and manage the football side of the club. And that comes and, back to the owners. And it comes back to the owners and, and they run the football club in a, in a certain way. You know, Edward Woodward was, was, apart from his passion for Vino, his other passion was refusing to sell players because he thought that the asset had some kind of value if they, if they didn't. I think, I think it's also an ego thing that your, your, his trophies are profit and loss accounts. Yeah. Balance sheets, right? And if you buy someone for X and you sell them for Y and Y is considerably lower than X, you yeah. feel that you look, you feel that you're. Willie, you look slightly smaller through your trousers on that day. <laughs> I, I can always understand the kind of financial side of Edward D Woodward thinking like that as a banker, thinking like he's destroying the value of this asset by not signing them up to a new contract and, and not selling them for the purchase price, right? But it doesn't actually make any sense from a football side of thing to keep assets that are not being utilized. And Because they're side assets. There's another, there's another asset. Exactly. And United don't have a brilliant under 23s or crop of, of kids at the moment, but there are some that are half decent, right? So you, you either do what Chelsea do and churn them out for 10, 15 million each time and just just trickle into the accounts like that, or you play them and sell your fringe players. And I don't know whether someone like, just as an example, James Garner would have done any good in the, in the Premier League this season. Probably not, seeing his performances for Forrest. But better to either sell him or use him than use Van der Beek for two minutes a game. I mean, it's becoming a, <laughs> it's becoming a meme for Van der Beek that he comes on in between the 85th and the 88th minute. So, it's like yeah. that Chelsea change that Sarri always made. Was it Kovacic for Jorginho or something, right, something right. like that? But it's, I mean, I could, on Garner, I mean, I've been told that physically they they don't think he's got it yeah yeah that he, he can play with the ball at his feet yeah but they don't think he's going to be quick enough and strong enough to be able to play for united in the premier league and that was something i heard a long time ago from people in in united right yeah and, yeah. and, 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 heard, and i, I kind of again yeah you know, no i, I think that's week. probably true yeah He's doing okay in the championship, probably not as good this season as last. And the championship's not a non-physical league, no, no, but he's not at the pace of the Premier League. Yeah, he's not. I mean, in some ways, the game itself is probably quicker at some point, but it's more to do, I guess, with being able to, if you're to, to fit, cover enough ground, the speed yep. that you need to cover it, and be able to, rather than can you adapt your game to the speed of the game, like passing probably might be good enough. It's about being able to compete physically in terms of how quickly you can get to the ball and yep. whether you can win the ball and protect the ball when you get to it. And I believe, I, I, I'm, I'm told that that isn't the case, but Hannibal looks like he'll be a United player. And yep. I dare say if he was not with Chizia at the moment, he'd yep. be on the bench now at least. He could be that controlling type player. I mean, he plays a lot at 
10 for the under 23s. I think they tried to make an eight out of him. I think, I think that's probably true. And so he's got a bit of an edge to him as well, uh, which is nice. If you had, if you bought a six and you had him and Bruno and he was good quickly, then you're starting to yep. talk about a proper midfield. And the other one yeah, yeah. is, um, is, uh, Ethan Laird. Yeah. A couple of years yeah. ago, I'm, I made a film about Love Matt Busby him. Yeah. and spent, spent some time with Jimmy Murphy Jr. And yep. being Jimmy Murphy's son doesn't mean he's got a particular eye for a player necessarily, but he has watched a lot of youth team football over a lot yeah. of years. And he said that when he went to watch the youth team play at their way to Liverpool, the Liverpool coaches were all saying that guy is going to be, is the best player in this team. And Mason yeah. Greenwood was in that team. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's injuries that's held led back to date. And I mean, he's had a very good first half of the season with Swansea. He's gone to Bournemouth now, which is a little bit of an odd switch. I hope that was to do with development and not money. Yeah. He's been playing. I mean, I'm guessing, but Bournemouth are challenging for promotion. Presumably yeah. he won't have gone. Have it, there, there have been some discussion about how much he's going to pay, how he's going to play. And also Swansea player back three. So he's been playing a wing back, Bournemouth player back yep. four. So if you can get in the team, yep. it'd be quite useful for him, but. He's another one. I can't believe that he's particularly that much worse than Dallow. He's looked great, great at youth level uh, beyond the injuries. Anyway, you know, long discussion about side players. But I mean, it's exactly right. This is United's problem has come from dumb decisions. You know, lots of money spent. So we can't say (laughs) so many dumb decisions. It's almost like I think Barney Rone tweeted, what would it take for United to make one good decision? Anything. Uh, And it all comes to the top. But even then, it's still mad that this time last season, United looked like they were good enough to beat anyone on their day. And we saw it. They beat Liverpool. Admittedly, they didn't have all their best players, but they did beat them. They beat beat City and they outplayed City on that day, not for the first time, having done it the season before. They then can sign Varane, Sancho and Ronaldo and get worse. Yeah. It's it's spectacular. It Mm -hmm. makes you think that there's something, something so strange going on. You can look at, take a team that was likable on the up. There was a great buzz about them. They played, like, we can all see what the faults were, that they were going behind in games, which suggests some kind of laxity and weakness and lack of vertebra. And yet they then constantly came back, scored some brilliant goals, like loads and loads of goals, loads of bangers, not always when they most needed them. And there was no crowds, which made it probably easier to sustain. But even so... There was some momentum building. They signed three unarguably quality players yep. who filled gaps that they needed them to fill. They needed a, a centre-back who was better than Lindelof. They haven't had a right-winger for years. They needed one of them as well. And at the very least, Ronaldo is an upgrade on Cavani. He's fit more often and he's better and he scores more goals. Yeah. 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 Now look. <laughs> no, it's amazing. The kind of paradox with Rangnick is that we don't have a lot of evidence, really, over the last 15 years that he knows how to build a team as a coach. He wants to. What I've heard from people who watch the Bundesliga a lot is that he perhaps doesn't like actually like the pressure when it really starts to pile on. And we'll see. He's been at the club a month or so, and he might get surprised about just how much focus there is on the United uh, compared to most Bundesliga teams. And I guess we're hoping that he can find some kind of fixes to to all these challenges if even better scenario is he really does know how to build clubs and he's a better director of football or can or can help Murta upgrade himself from being a youth team coach to or youth team scout to a proper director of football and there's someone who can actually instill a vision 
and stop United making all these ridiculous decisions about purchases, contracts and sales. Then maybe we'll get a, you know, a team on the pitch. But we were talking before we started recording, my level of cynicism is you know, through the roof. I have no confidence whatsoever. I mean, United have, even in COVID times, United have tons of free cash flow and so much money that can be spent. So much money. Don't even extract money from the value in the stock market to spend it, which they can do right now, right? They're never going to, of course, no, you know, because I mean, it... it's the piggy bank. But it's like if if somehow a benevolent dictator took over United tomorrow, they have the cash to compete with anyone in world football. Just by spending their own money. Just by spending their own money. And then if they didn't change the structure underneath that, they'd just still make loads of dumb decisions. So, And it but just shows on the pitch. Does the thing, the thing with Ragnick that bothered me in the first instance that I thought, I wonder, I wonder that made me wonder about him was that the best team that he's ever managed was Leipzig. If yeah. United were better than Leipzig, that still probably wouldn't be good enough if they're a bit better than yeah. Leipzig. Yeah. And yeah. certain managers are good at different things. Like we, David Moyes is really good at sort of that lower top, upper middle section of the table. Mick McCarthy, if you want to get promoted from the championship and you, you hire Mick McCarthy, but you should fire yep. him as soon as you get in the Premier League yeah, because yeah. He's, well, he's not good at that. And Rangnick was good at this thing. And I remember them being heartened afterwards because I thought, well, he's also a systems guy. And Yes, very much, yeah. And you can do that, but then you need time. And you just, and this needs to be the right system. And yep. then in, in his first press conference, I think he said he was going to try and do what he could with the players that he had not impose his system and then we've wasted time with him trying to impose that system and, and just, given up on it yeah yeah because it wasn't right like it wasn't but that it was just so obviously not right for the players because you can't compromise bruno like we said and then you don't want sancho going from out to in you want him coming from in to out and you don't have the fullbacks for it and you don't it just you don't have the field spread and you know that four two three one works all right with this team. It's good, it was good enough to finish second last season. It was good enough to beat good teams. And mm -hmm. just that whole, and that sort of wasted the opportunity to bounce, probably pissed off the players as well. And I want him to piss the players off, don't get me wrong. But in terms of getting those short-term results, it probably would have helped to have changed a little bit less than, yeah. than he did. And then the constant changes in the games and now, you just never know what team he's going to pick from game to game, what formation it's going to be. And that's not really competition for places. That's a mess. That's tinkering. And it probably doesn't give the players the sense that he really knows what he's doing. And it doesn't surprise me that there is there are stories coming out from Could, week to week because people are chatting about him, his crap. systems. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Tuffle, who came in, he dropped Mason Mount in the first game, didn't do that yep. again, really. But he figured out the best way for them to play. Yep. And then they played that way. <laughs> and yeah, then... very quickly uh, with, with Tuchel, yeah. Anyway, we didn't talk about yesterday's game much, but it, it's because it was a, it was, well, I don't know whether, it wasn't a sickener, it was just kind of inevitable. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a little... <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't expected. It's like, but then that makes it, yeah, like sometimes it's like, you know, you're going to be, you go out and you have a skimmer or whatever, you know, you're going to feel hanging the next day. You still feel hanging the next day. <laughs> I don't know whether you were catching any of the cricket. It was on the over by over just this morning. There you go. Right. Long story short, I'm not a great sleeper, so, and I can't help myself. So it's overnight here. Uh, it starts about, well, it's day night game. So it starts about eight o'clock and the action goes overnight. So I can help myself basically checking it every time. 
And it's one of those ones where there's a little bit of hope and it's the hope that kills you, etc., and so on. And then the inevitability of the collapse and England losing. Yeah. But just for a moment, while Wood was on a mad one, I thought maybe England could do it. And I felt a bit like that yesterday with United. I was like, ah, oh, this is good. Bruno's getting the ball. Bruno's good. Bruno's not got someone in his zone because <laughs> he wouldn't have taken those two shots if someone else had been in the team. And maybe, maybe Ragnick's found the system. Maybe he's getting a tune out of these players. And then, of course, the inevitability of Aston Villa taking over in midfield and United's, United just kind, kind of collapsing. And players running past Matic, who was absolutely dying on his feet he's, by the end of the game. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's an ornament at this stage. The cricket is funny because it gets worse as you get older because when it's overnight, because obviously you're getting up for a piss more often than the night, which gives you great <laughs> no opportunity to, to investigate the cricket, to then go to bed for Brent, as they say in Yiddish, irritated, aggravated, because you're waking up more often for it to annoy you. I have very distinct memories of when I was a kid of listening to Test Match Special and England getting battered by the Aussies. So it feels very much like that 40 years later. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between United and cricket. You've got execs that care about sponsorship and money more than mm -hmm. they care about sport. And they, they exi exist to make money rather than makes money because it exists. Yes. And you've got them imposing nonsense. You've got players who are struggling to apply themselves, but a lot of talent. And yeah, um, Hey, but you'll get a beautiful new stand at Lords when they've, uh, they, when they've bought the two foot strip of land, uh, uh, behind their Compton Edridge stands. Yeah. The suits will pair themselves a skimful. Anyway, it all sounded good yesterday, didn't it? I mean, Bruno hitting one in Martinez, letting it roll through his legs. Which, that was just uh, so is... good. So after, that was just after his behavior at Old Trafford as well. Oh, was... God, it's beautiful. beautiful. Like him I mean, then getting to have that redemptive moment when he celebrated the goal in the crowd yes. was, oh my God, I, I, I... It, it did feel like a, a little mod, a modicum of revenge, didn't it? For, for the antics at Old Trafford when Martinez got inside his head somewhat. I, I wonder whether it was Martinez or Ronaldo that got inside Bruno's head. <laughs> but I just felt, yeah, like the denial of the revenge by the equaliser. Yeah, I was perturbed by that. <laughs> so Bruno scores sixth minute, gets the other one in the 67th. And, but by that time, Villa had already taken over, basically. Villa were in control in that second half. And it just felt inevitable. And I couldn't help. Like, the extra sickener was that Coutinho was involved in some way in both of them. I hate him because I hate him for two reasons. One, he's an ex-Liverpool player, obviously. And two, like as soon as he came back, all the commentary is about, ah, oh, how good he was at Liverpool. I mean, he's been absolute shite for four years. He's been dreadful. And not just on the pitch, off it. And everyone's been questioning his attitude and his, his belief. And, and he comes back to the Premier League and he's a god again because, because all his mates say he is and he's gone to join Stephen bloody Gerrard at Aston Villa and of course he's involved in both goals I I have a confession to make yeah I mean the thing about Coutinho also is that he was quite good for Liverpool but he, he was he also was a player who if he didn't belt them in from that position 20 yards out he didn't actually do that much and when they flogged him they spend the money to improve they improved the team with they the did. ridiculous amount of money they somehow got for him his biggest contribution to Liverpool winning the title was buggering off yeah yeah but yeah. When he, so United scored the second goal and they brought him on, I, and oh my gosh, this is this, I, so I I messaged a mate who was at the game saying, "Go on, then bring Coutinho on now, Stephen." I don't <laughs> I don't think I called him Stephen. <laughs> I called him, <laughs> and then and, and then obviously my friend who was at the game didn't see it till afterwards. By which time 
he'd already done it. It's yeah. very time for the worst to happen. This is, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was a head and hands moment, one of many. He got robbed of the assist for the first one because uh, actually a United player touched it. First one was a bit, the first goal I thought, apart from like the general sitting back and allowing them to swarm, to swarm yes. us, was a bit unfortunate. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, like the ball going like where it did. But the, the second goal was uh, extremely negligent from all concerns. I mean, it's the second one where Matic sort of is jogging back. He could and, stop that cross. Uh, he, he suddenly realises it's too late, right? He hasn't got the legs by that time. So if you actually had someone with legs in there, they'd have stopped the cross. I think um, he, ju he just sure. needed to yeah. extend his legs, his leg. I thought, <laughs> felt like he didn't, at the point, I'm not certain that any running was necessary. He just needed to extend the leg. But, and then, I can't remember where Lindelof was. I'm not sure if he can either. He's slightly out of position, Lindelof. I mean, it's like one of those classic goals that United concede. Even, I mean, Varane's the one desperately trying to stop Coutinho getting into <laughs> position, but it's too late by I then. I mean, he anyway. must be wondering what on earth is going on. But Lindelof is like, I was always suspicious of him because I remember the day that he signed, he gives an interview to, um, saw on the internet, I guess. And they asked him what he thought his best quality was. And he said his composure. Huh. And I hmm. thought, I feel like if I was a defender for United, as I am now, not as a professional footballer, but me, age 42, and with my footballing ability, and I was a centre-back for United, composure would be my best quality. <laughs> from someone <laughs> who's actually playing centre-back for United, I want to hear pace. Being strength, able to defend. Dominance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, defending, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Good one. Yeah, like, like if you'd ask Nemanja Vidic for what his best quality was, or Rio Ferdinand, or Yap Stamper, Paul McGraw, the answer is not calmness, I think he said. It was not that. Yeah, no. And any, <laughs> any of those players you mentioned would be a, a massive improvement, obviously, because they were all, all outstanding defenders. Yeah. Lindelof has no composure. That's the other irony. Every, <laughs> every time he's under any kind of physical pressure, he just collapses every single time. Uh, Varane, I have a lot of hope for him because obviously he's a high quality player. He's just not been fit at all. And this was part of the reason that Madrid were kind of happy to get rid as well because of his repeated injuries. And so that's a problem. And then Harry Maguire, who either wasn't quite fit yesterday or Regnick dropped, not sure which one, has been dreadful this season. And United concede the kind of goal that they conceded late yesterday with Maguire in the team because he doesn't have the recovery pace uh, and isn't in the right position when, you know, players, teams get around behind United's fullbacks at any point, you know, concede the same goal over and over again. There was, a, unfortunately, a kind of sense of iron inevitability about it yesterday. And it had nothing to get back into it. In fact, Ragnick made changes to try and secure a draw. They did that. Beak had that, had that little opportunity at the end. And yes, I don't, yes. I think nice turn, Beak, yeah. I feel like the problem that the management have with Beak is probably not dissimilar to what, what I'd heard is so of Garner, that he can't. Yeah. Physically, he hasn't got it to play midfield. He hasn't got it, yeah. But Matic yeah. doesn't have it to play midfield either. And he still gets in the and team he's still fairly often. Picked. Well, yeah, he's the first. Yeah. If, if you can't have McFred, then it's him. Yep. And yep. I, don't see, I don't see what we're really gaining by doing that. And it's always, you get to a point when you're watching your team be shit that you just would like to see them be shit in a different way at least. <laughs> I know. No, I like that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Matic should have fucked off to Italy two years ago, basically. And it's amazing. I guess no one, he's on a really big contract and I guess no one wants to fulfill that. Even in Italy where they have tax advantage. I mean, that was another, it, so. that was another mad contract, but it's just it gets to a point where 
We know we're trying to trying to build a team. Matic isn't going to be part of that. If Beak isn't going to be part of that, then that's fine too. But get rid of him and spend the money. Yeah, yeah. Or play him if you think he's got something. Then play him to see and give him some games instead of Matic because it's this team could not be doing any worse than than they are. They haven't. They yeah. played well once this season. Really, one night against Leeds, who are a team who totally play into their hands. Yep. They played some good stuff against Arsenal, some good stuff in the Champions League when they were chasing it, but they haven't played well. So you know that no version of this works. And I don't get why you're not trying to find the thing that does because it's not going to be worse. If you played Beak instead of Matic, every time you, what you attempted to play Matic, you played Beak, the results would not be worse. Yeah, and then the thing, to come back to the thing, the thing that always surprises me at, at this club and shouldn't surprise me is that the, the calculation won't be we need to fix this in the window and we'll throw some money at it because it's going to cost United to, what, 50 to 70 million to be out of the Champions League next season and even more if they're at it for two seasons. And toss a coin, United are in the Champions League one season out of two, basically, since Fergie left. And the calculation, it's just, it's mad because it will cost them whole bunch in the value of the asset, which I guess they don't care about if they're not selling it, and a whole bunch in terms of revenues, which maybe they don't care about because they take the dividend anyway. But um, it's it's strange also because I I understand why they might be loath to give Rangnick money if he's not going to be around, but that's <laughs> why you have Fletcher and Murta. And yes, I cannot exactly. believe yeah. that they can't find a, a midfield player who they think is really good and worth having for the, for the money that they would have to spend on one, yeah. even if they didn't. Well, they haven't got the autonomy over the budget, Fletcher and Murtagh, yet. No, no, um, no. But what I'm yet, saying is so. that you, it's not like back in the day where you might, because one of the problems United have had is that you go from the way Mo Fergie to Moyes to Van Gaal to Mourinho to Ole, all different ways of playing football, none of them like the players that they've been bequeathed. Yeah. Um, so you get Fletcher, Fletcher, Fletcher and Murtagh, in theory, one of the things they're meant to stop is that happening. Because there's yes. meant to be, you want to play a particular kind of way with particular kinds of players so that recruitment continues. And yeah. it seems odd that, I mean, I, I, there are lots of players you hear being talked about. Like the one that there's been the most chat about is Dennis Sicaria. Seen him a couple of yeah. times. He's a good player. I'm told that he can play. He's available for nothing. Now, it might not be him. So don't make, I'm not going to pretend sure. that I'm sitting here watching him play in the Bundesliga every week. I'm not. But what I'm saying is that there is a player who is worth having. And who would fill a spot in the first 11 who you could get for not a lot of money. Yeah, no, he's, he's all right. I've seen him a few times as well. Uh, I think his numbers kind of show him not to be at the total elite level uh, in terms of his contributions to the defensive side of the game. But for right now, he might be a, a marginal improvement. It doesn't have to yeah. be him. You should, like, the point of having all this data and this permanent staff is that like you find, you find the person that it is and when people, because people sometimes say, well, who should it be then? It's just, it's not my job to know that. There are people yes, who yeah, do yeah, perform yeah. a very specialized job that is, that is that. And they yeah. should be able to come up with someone and I'm sure that they can. But then the lack of will to change it is really strange because it seems the amount of money, if you know, I went and signed two midfield players for 50 million quid, they would make this winter, they would make the top four. They would. They would because of the weaknesses of of the other teams that are competing for that place. And, yeah. And the, the fact that they're probably not going to do that is negligent and short-termist. Um, and, and like, wor worst of all, we might end up in the bloody Europa League. I don't want to be... Or, the, or worse. I, I don't wanna, or, the, or even or worse, worse, the conference. Or worse, yeah. <laughs>
I mean, United playing some Kazakhstani side on a Thursday night and then going away to City on the Sunday or whatever is just, it's not good for the club. Some fans are like, great away day. Yes, I'm happy with that. If my life currently allowed me to do more Euro aways, in some ways I'd mind it less because you get to go to some new places. I'm hoping that that will change actually next season. But at the same time, there's something depressing about the football, the actual football itself. And it's not obviously not all about the football, but there is... The cha- the Europa League group stages that we've sat through has been some of some of the worst shit that it, has it's, ever been it's seen. awful. It, it's you know the standards really poor. It doesn't look like United players are up for it either. It's one of the most infuriating things about this season is because we were in that at that point last season where we are were a sort of beat anyone on their day kind of team, and we were. Yep. I was actually like quite interested to see what happened in the Champions League this season, and now it's been we're so far away from a good performance. That improving enough to be even Atletico, who are crap, yep. is, sounds like a sounds like a monumental reach. And I know things can change very quickly, so I'm not I'm not ruling it out. But it comes back to me to settling on some level of continuity. And um, we don't we got Pogba to come back into the mix of all of this at some point. But settling on uh, settling on a way of playing that, in my opinion, has to be four two three one. Like yep. that's not really. Like who who comprises it? The front three, I can make arguments for all of them. Don't know what the correct yep. answer is. The midfield three is McFred and Bruno. I just yeah, I don't and when I don't really see that there's another option out there. And then, what what you're pointing to and the system and the players, if they can get that into into play more often than not, is is should be good enough for a top four. Add an extra you know, midfielder into the mix and and. Um, and you, you don't know, want that, to that sign be... players to go in front of young players. So um, in a way, it's, I'm pleased that they got Ronaldo and Cavani because it's giving space to Greenwood, for Greenwood and Alanga to develop. And then in two years, neither of those two are going to be around. So there's that. And I wouldn't, if they think Hannibal is going to be good enough next year or the year after, you don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to sign two players to go in front of him. One is mm-hmm. essential, but then you, that's fine. But then you need to start integrating him. Uh, if you look like Klopp's doing it, if he it, Klopp, Klopp started including Harvey Elliott this season yep. because he's good and it is much easier to do it in a, in, in a good team. But I also think that I, I've seen quite a lot of Arsenal in the Europa League for work over the last season or the last season, this last season, and particularly the season before last. And I could see that Saka was a player and I'd heard that Smith Rowe was a player and I knew he was doing really well on loan. And I felt like Arteta went to those, went to those lads when he basically had no other options and they were ready. Right. He basically he was going to get, they lost all those games in a row and he was going to get fired. So, so he's okay. And although he would rather bring young players into a team that's winning, he went to them because he was desperate and they yeah. were good enough. Yeah. And his yeah. problem now is the senior players just aren't as good as they are. Arteta like had this need and Arsenal had this need to transform an old side on these really heavy contracts into a much younger side. They had a financial incentive to do it yeah. and they had a playing incentive to do it. And you know, like it looks like Edu, the sporting director, and, and Arteta were all on the same page uh, with the transformation at Arsenal. At United, that's not obvious. It's not obvious that Fletcher and Murtagh, Rangnick and... Woodward and now Arnold and the Glazers are all on the same page with the direction of what the club um, is talking about. And you know, like I, I had this, uh, I had this debate on and off with uh, with the former host of this podcast <laughs> about um, you know what's more important. Like if you if you inserted Pep or Klopp into this club right now, just as a thought experiment, 
would that be more more impactful than like just getting the right structure and the right coaches around it you know what what's the balance between having a Def- brilliant coach that and and the right system so i would say like, so Klopp, if you look at the if you if you gave any other manager if you gave guardiola the club squad liverpool wouldn't have won the league or the champions league right like what you're seeing in that like they Klopp has taken good players and he's inspired them to perform yes. like absolute world beaters for yes, a much yes. longer period of time than the likely Look, look at Liverpool's midfield. Like on paper, you're like, huh? Look what? what he was getting out of Jordan Henderson and Wijnaldum. Yeah, who were good players, but they played like world beaters. Like, and yeah, the, the amount of in the I can't remember what the numbers are, but the season they won the league, and they went on that ludicrous winning run. They won a ridiculous number of games by one goal. That's mm-hmm. not sustainable. But it's the man, like the manager gives them the confidence and the belief to think that they can do that. And he has that personality. And United, missed, United, United went for him when they went before they went for Van Gaal, and he turned them yep. down. He happened to be around when yep. Liverpool wanted them. But I know that it's very easy to take the piss out of Klopp. But he, Guardiola needs a much more particular kind of thing. But the kind yes. of personality, I don't particularly want to watch Guardiola football, like nice shapes and stuff like that. But Klopp plays the kind of football that we're used to watching at United. And Yes, yes, yeah. Don't yeah, enjoy yeah. saying this, but he was the right guy to get that United job. And, he- and Woodward shit the bed on that one, basically. And Klopp had one conversation with Woodward and said, no, no, thanks. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't, they didn't sell United. Like if Darren Fletcher had been involved, then, then, then it's maybe a different thing because you've got someone selling United who actually knows what the selling points of United are. Yes. And Klopp obviously Not took... the adult Disneyland yeah, yeah, or exactly. whatever Klopp, it was described as. Yeah, he yeah. took one look at it and thought, no, and now look. And... Yeah. Um, Guardiola is ultimately, obviously he's, he's a football, football genius. I would like it not to be the case, but here we are. But he's always had the best players in every team that he's ever managed. And his thing we were talking about before, his thing is extracting the very most out of top level talent. Like yes, he's yeah. amazing at that, that, at that thing, but he's always had the top level talent and Klopp is extracting ridiculous levels of performance out of not top level talent. Yes. And Agree, agree. I think yeah. the thing, and what, what Guardiola also has is his biggest advantage. I mean, obviously it's a factor of the money, but it's the size of the squad. You can buy as many players as you like, and it doesn't matter. And they've got so many players of sort of 40 to 70 million pound quality. Obviously you have to pick the right ones and that requires structure and everyone thinking the same thing. But also if you sign the O's of this world and your Jack Grealishes of this world, and it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Because you've got such yeah. margin for error, whereas Klopp succeeded at Liverpool because they nailed about three years of signings in a row, almost all of them. And that's not just him, obviously, but he then made them work. And it, you always felt with United that Ole, usually like 50% on transfers is a good record. Yes. Ole was going to have to nail them all as well. And, and, and he and didn't. Did, and didn't quite, yeah. And he didn't. Yeah, no, no. I mean, continue going, you know, to come back to Villa. And uh, what do they get? 120-odd million for them. And they spent it on Alisson and Van Dijk, who were completely yeah, transformational. That made the difference. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like, you ultimately have to you get the right players. And that's obviously partly to do with Klopp. But, I mean, Alisson, there's something about Alisson that I still find a little bit uncomfortable. And it's not just the fact that he votes for Bolsonaro and... And (laughs) the most left-wing support in the world seem to have a blind spot where that's concerned. And not just him either. Um, Fabinho. Well, all football fans do that. Fabinho as well. Right, but not all football fans are proclaiming themselves to be like the darling of the left wing. 
yeah, forgetting, yeah. That Liverpool, uh, forgetting that Liverpool also hasn't always been a Labour city. But anyway, Alisson's one of those goalkeepers that just things seem to hit him. That's what I'm getting, where I'm getting to. Casillas was another one that this, he was, I mean, Alisson seems to me more like a Van der Sar keeper, that he doesn't make that many terrible mistakes, but, and he has yes. that other thing of things seeming to hit him or go straight at him, like yes. Ludek Mikoshko against West Ham star. Oh, oh God, don't, no, don't, <laughs> I don't, I even want it. Don't, don't. I don't. One of my worst experiences at football were, was United drawing that game at Upton Park in 92 and being caged because at Upton Park those days, they, they locked you in for a long time after the game. So the various firms didn't kick off afterwards, which they like to do around those parts. Yeah, so we spent about two hours in that cage after that game, knowing that United had just fucked the league title. But anyway, <laughs> uh, back to back to the early 90s football, which is a regular theme when you're of oh, a certain age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I guess that was Villa. And like notable stories this week, there weren't that many really. There's there's not a lot of transfer talk. But there was Ronaldo's interview. What what did you make of that? He was very politically like correct in what he was saying. He was basically saying that no one's listening to him and the players need to get better and it's not as good as he thought it was gonna be. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I mean I actually honestly like I was on holiday in Ghana and I didn't I didn't do it to myself. I thought, do I need to watch twenty minutes of this? bloke tell me stuff that i already know <laughs> i mean as, I, i'm so pleased if he's giving tongue lashings to the other players but i felt yeah. like i wanted a break from that kind of ordeal i don't i don't blame you i don't spend a lot of time thinking about wanting to engage with ronaldo and his content when we turned up to the airport to get our flight home i did say yep. to my wife but ronaldo scored 47 goals across all competitions but yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I, I did not really i, I would absolutely not try that um, <laughs> hey wife you know he may be a rapist but look at the goals for me oh man yeah anyway i mean look, i don't mind him calling uh, people out 100%. I, I think perhaps he needs More to look area. in the metaphorical mirror and his performances have been yeah in and out this season, i don't but, think he needs any encouragement like, to look in the mirror metaphorical metaphorical otherwise yeah i still always go back to that one of the first documentaries with him and uh, it goes inside his house and every single wall is a mirror it was like a nightclub, but <laughs> it's uh, bizarre. But anyway, yeah, he, he kind of called uh, people out. And I, I don't mind that. There may be, like, of course, the, those cliques in the dressing room, the Ronaldos and the non-Ronaldo camps, the, the first being much larger than the, the latter, I guess. But um, he needs someone to, but he also needs performances after that. Steve Archibald said, what did he say? He said, team spirit is an illusion glimpsed in the aftermath of victory. It's great when you're winning uh, and there isn't any when you're losing. Yeah, you get pissed um, off when you win and you have, when you lose and you're happy when you win. And generally, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, we don't know what's going on with the players, but it doesn't feel like the problem is the camaraderie. It feels like the problem is the inability to do things like focus and hard work hard and really exceedingly basic endeavors like passing the ball five yards or tracking a marker i don't believe that when maguire is failing to track a marker he's thinking man that ronaldo is such a bell end i just I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's happening no, no no i don't i don't think that's true either i think that's a basic failing maguire god uh, i'm glad we don't talk about him because he does my nutting for a 80 million pound player to be that average aggressively it's average. Not, i mean he's been not bad for united but not not bad but, but it was a man like he wasn't the, the he wasn't the player and he never was the player he wasn't Van Dijk. sort of he didn't even have to yep. be van dyke he could have been like a, a stopper center back like he's passing into midfield is helpful but he's not solid enough like there are games that if you have 
you would expect to win because you've got, if your centre-back is this leader who is winning second balls and winning headers in the box and stuff, and he doesn't, he doesn't really do that. He's not commanding. No. And if you're not commanding no, no. and you've got no pace, then that yeah. that is a problem. It's a recipe for failure. Yeah. How will you do against Brentford on uh, Wednesday night? I think it is. It's a rearranged game from uh, the one that was called off uh, for United having a whole bunch of COVID cases. Brentford got absolutely smashed by Liverpool today. Didn't have a sniff. I think Liverpool had 27 shots in this <laughs> one and like all of the ball all of the time, and which is unusual for Brentford because they press from the front really well. But I, I kind of suspect a lot of teams have worked that out with them. It's just they have the system that United struggle against all the time. I mean, you basically, I mean, you know what you're going to get with United. They're going to play badly and they may win, lose or draw. So you kind of, you know, where the, <laughs> you know where the performance is going to be, roughly. Yep. But you don't know what the result is going to be because actually they've been getting more points than the performances have deserved. Yes. And... Uh, under Ole, they never really played as badly as this, as consistently as this, until the end. Yeah. And even even at the end, in that Liverpool game where they got gubbed, they still made like three or four proper chances with some nice football. And they're not, they're not really... And then even in the Watford game, and they're, not really, they're not really doing that here. They're, they're not creating chances. I wonder, that, look, there definitely is this kind of soft underbelly to, to Brentford defensively. And they play the three at the back, so if United can get players wide then there's an opportunity there to create chances. I just worry that Mbueno and, and Tony uh, will cause all sorts of problems. If, you know, they press from the front, it's high energy, it's intensity. It's all the things that United don't have and always struggle against. It's like a, if you want to write a recipe for a type of team that's going to cause United problems, it's Brentford. I just, I just don't know that they're playing very well at the moment, Brentford, and uh, maybe there's the opportunity there. It's just what I, at this point, what I want to see is some kind of continuity where mm -hmm. you can see where the team's trying to get to. He's, and Rank's had his time now, so he's, he's seen all the players. He's had a few weeks with them. And I just feel that the only way it's going to get better now is by repeating. And sometimes it's like, even if, as I, as I said, I don't think he's got a lot of room for manoeuvre in midfield. And up front, I don't know what the right three is really don't know who the right three are and but he just has to pick they're all they're a lot of good players so pick a three and let them let them play together and bring on yeah. players if you need to change something but if it's it, i mean i presume it's going to be ronaldo greenwood and then either sancho or or Alanga. that sounds likely I think, I mean, Ronaldo's back in the team if he had this hip flexor problem, which can take a couple of weeks, but I imagine if he's fit, he's going to be back in. And and then the other question is, at the back, does Maguire come back in for Lindelof? You know, probably he's yeah, not going to make much I mean, difference. I mean, I'd say I'd say that Maguire probably has a slightly higher ceiling than Lindelof. So I would probably, uh, I got, I'd, and also you, I mean, Lindelof hits nice long passes, but I believe the numbers show that Maguire's Maguire's ability in that area, contribution in that area is much more significant. Yes. And so Yes, yeah. And and Fred comes back into the side. Um, Tom, sorry, McTominay comes back into the side because he's he had a one match suspension uh, and probably sure to. Yeah, something like that. But it's just it's just sticking with that it's sticking with that front three. And I do I, there's something about Alang that I mean, I think what we know about Alang and what we is that we're just to watch him. He looks like he's got the uh, um, agility of a winger. And some of yeah. the knack of a centre forward. And that's a good, and the fact that they're picking him with the options that they have 
I imagine he's absolutely killing it in training. Because yeah, we yeah. haven't seen enough. I'm sure he's hungry as well. Because right, um, he hasn't, we haven't seen enough on the pitch to say, well, he hasn't snatched the shirt from someone. He's, had, he's done some good stuff, but he's not come on, been electrifying. So the reason he's in the team is partly because the others are rubbish, but also because I'm, I think we can be pretty sure that he's absolutely killing it in training. And the managers immediately thought, I like this guy. And all they loved him as well. And so yeah. I'd be, I'd be happy to see more of him because as you say, he's not, he's not going to half-ass it either. And what you're seeing, and I think that if Greenwood's on the other side, if he plays Greenwood, then Greenwood's another one who you could see what's, you can see the dangers with Greenwood, that he's been the best player in his age group and in the country at every level. And he's, every time he steps up a level, he's thought, yeah, I'm pissing this. And it's happened even when he's gone into the Premier League and he's thought, oh, like, look at this. And it's all been easy for him. And I'm sure he's sacrificed loads as well. And he's worked hard on all the stuff, but relative to what it is for other footballers, he's, it's been easy for him. And he's not, he's probably not spent very much time of his life thinking, am I going to make it as a professional footballer? And that's quite rare. Yeah. That's quite rare. Most of the, like David Beckham had time when he's thinking, when he's alone thinking, am I going to make it? Paul Scholes, yeah. like players of yeah. that level of quality are thinking, am I going to make it? Ryan Giggs, maybe yeah. not, but it's that level of player. Phil Foden's another one always going to make it. But yeah, if you don't have the natural desire to go with that, and I don't mean that as, I don't mean he's lazy necessarily, but some people are mongrels and some people aren't, and you can learn it, but you can see that he's not putting in the kind of effort that equivalent players are putting in. In terms of in terms of running, and if if they can get that out of him, and they will have yeah. to get that out of him, and do it quickly, then obviously he he could be one of the best players in the world. But yep. he's going to yep. need someone needs to make him do it because he's not doing. I think that's right, and it may have been part of what Ronaldo was calling out this week. And it, him and Rashford, and I think probably Green was ceilings higher. But the both of them, Rainick, Rainick has to do has to or Rainick or whoever comes in next. And whoever that is has to, and very quickly get something out of this. Cause we've seen plenty of careers of talented players drift. Um, and like, it's an interesting background. His dad was a Cameroon international and uh, played in the world cup, but he's playing for the Sweden age group teams. And there is something about him. Don't know if he's going to be good enough yet. Uh, he's, he's very one footed and always wants to come inside. So he's going to have to develop a little more to that if he's going to play on that left side it's not necessarily that he has to because he can play across all the, the three anyway nice having you on to deconstruct united uh, like yeah, I, f I feel like this show has been uh, that for 10 years deconstructing <laughs> united because there's been very little of that that time when united have actually been good there are still some good players there there are still some good players and maybe we'll pick up enough to make the europa league oh that's say amen i guess we'll be back after brentford and then west ham at the weekend i think it is Hopefully West Ham and Brentford go ahead uh, and hopefully United uh, get some performances. Oh, see ya. No question about that. It's supported by you, our listeners, through patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod, where you can get access to our weekly ad-free bonus episode talking about football around the Premier League and Europe. 